Hi, welcome back to Tradish with Mary Rook. We've got a great episode for you today. Sarah Wilder is joining us. We're going to be talking about her reporting, uncovering craziness going on at Disney and Target. She also found out about this doctor who was transing children as young as seven. And we will also be talking about teachers unions going woke and pressuring other teachers to create activists in the classroom. I think the biggest thing that our society is searching for right now is a connectedness and a way to protect our children from these progressive and woke ideologies that are just kind of capturing all of our institutions right now. So I hope that you enjoy it. It's going to be a great episode. Let's go. We are excited to have Sarah Wilder here, formerly Weaver. She just got married. Congratulations, Sarah. And um, we're going to be talking a lot about her crazy reporting that she's done on Disney and Target and a couple doctors that, you know, care for our children. The stuff that she reports on is very important for parents to be paying attention to because it's indicative of what they'll see in their friend group and in their classroom later down the line. So, Sarah, one of the things I wanted to talk about first was your reporting with Disney. Recently, you talked about um, or you reported that Disney was kind of doubling down on this woke ideology that had gotten them in the hot seat with a lot of consumers. Can you tell us what you found? Yeah, well, so what I found was that... um... Disney is rolling out pronoun pins for all of its employees, starting with the janitorial department. And it's going to, um, from, from what I'm hearing, it's going to spread all throughout all the departments. Um, in the uh, sign-up sheet sort of for these pronouns that I got access to, they said they were excited to um, roll this out. This is going to, you know, janitorial department is going to be a little less public facing, right? So they're starting with that one. Then they're going to move to, you know, the costume department, the kind of the people who are, you know, being midi and making that kind of thing who are interacting with their kids making sure your five-year-old doesn't misgender them. Um, and, uh, you know, and it's funny because from what I heard, um, this all started because an employee who was trans or non-binary or whatever he said he was, um, did wear a pronoun pin and was actually told that wasn't part of the costume. He couldn't. What department was he in? Do you know? I don't, I wasn't told that part. Um, from what I can tell, it's probably janitorial just because it was told by, to me by someone from the janitorial department. I, I think that little incident like highlights it with these things like Disney and stuff and think of it. And it's like, you know, it's, it's a children's thing and it's so just like fun. It's like, you know, America's Disneyland or whatever. Um, it's actually just like run by all these woke adults and it's increasingly too run for these woke adults. Like you have like all these like Disney adults, like <laughs> that's where Disney's getting its money. And I think like they actually kind of realize that and they realize that like, the, the you know backlash and stuff that they get they're probably betting that they can just ride it out because the people who they're catering to are like liberal millennials who either yeah. don't care or are fully on board with this and it's like losing 100%. some of the soccer moms who used to go there every summer it's like they can afford to do that because then all like the millennials are gonna like flock to them <laughs> right exactly no i mean uh, my husband and i saw that a couple summers ago we took the girls to disney and we thought to ourselves this will probably be the last time we get to take them. It was right when all of the craziness started being unearthed when all of those um, undercover videos and they were like, oh, I've got a transgender child and a pansexual child. And it's like, you only have two children. The odds of you having two <laughs> children you know, on the gender spectrum is like astronomical. Yeah. So we debated about whether or not to go and we couldn't get our tickets refunded and they wanted us to move it off. And we thought if we, if we moved off the trip, what's kind of the point? because it's only going to get worse. So rather than waste the money, we went. The first day was magical. It was so wonderful. Um, just families. You hardly saw any nonsense. And then the second day we went, it was like 
every single conservative's worst nightmare, like every parent's oh worst nightmare, you go and it's like, you know, a six foot two, 275 pound man and cut off boy shorts, like something that Dolly Parton would have worn at the, oh you goodness. know, at the halftime show. <laughs> it's like kind of insane <laughs> as a parent to walk around and then then you're like wanting to cover the eyes of your children every single time, you know, they're walking by and you can't even wait in line for a ride without worrying your child's getting scandalized. And that's really, I thought, kind of like the juxtaposition of where Disney's at. It's like day one is old school Disney, the magic, the Cinderella's, the princesses, all the things that got kids hooked on those old stories. And then day two is the reality of new Disney. It's a bunch of millennials walking around in boy shorts and wearing pronoun pins. And isn't it so funny that Disney decided to start with the janitorial team rather than like say the you know the front facing staff? It's like of course the the job that is arguably like the dirtiest or the hardest job to do at the entire park is like the one that's going to be subjected to the progressive ideologies first. Like these are the working class folks, and like they're going to be forced to handle like you know, left-wing progressive ideology. I just think that's hilarious. Yeah. One of the things that I wanted to talk about is um, like the employees. You said someone brought it to you from the janitorial department. Whenever you spoke to employees, I know no one would really speak on the record, but whenever you did, what was the like environment or how did they feel behind it? Were they, was everybody really supportive of it? I know obviously you probably got this as, you know, oppo research. So this, this is someone that's not going to be supportive of it, but everybody else you talk to, were they like, yeah, this is the next thing that Disney needs to be doing. It's really important for society, whatever. At least from the people I talked to, um, they were they were against it. But they were all, it's funny because they, they were not like rabid conservatives when I talked to them. Like, you know, they, maybe they were, I don't know. But they were kind of like, oh yeah, I have gay colleagues and I think that's great. Love is love or whatever. Like they weren't like, Bible thumping Christians, you know, no, hey, I'm a Bible thumping Christian. They were just like, this, this is too much. Like, are you kidding yeah. me? Like, why do you need your, your pronouns in for like Zzer? Like most of the time the people wearing them, like I was, I was going thrifty the other day and there was this woman who was obviously a woman. I would never have called her anything else but a woman. She's like, she, her, like five different pins all over her. It's always those kind of people. It's like, yeah, I know right. she, like, I don't know where else. You know, so most of them are kind of like that. They're like, there are a few people who are, you know, gay or whatever. And then there's people who are trans. And these kind of, the people who talk to me sort of struck me as the kind of people who would like, if they could tell you were born male, let's say, and you were trying to present as female, they would use female pronouns. Like they weren't even that like strict on it, but they were okay, just like, so why is had this the feeling like... that they were really more moderate? Like they, they're yeah. not even like uh -huh. in the, not moderate Republican, but like more moderate Democrat. I, that's the sense I got. Maybe yeah. moderate Republican. Maybe like, uh, I don't know, Nikki Haley Republican or something. Oh, like no. <laughs> The worst kind. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes they're kind of like, they're the same ones. And they're the ones who like have the jobs at like the woke companies. And they're the ones like they give the pushback, you know. So I don't know. Mm -hmm. I haven't heard from them since um, about like what maybe the publishing story would do. Um, Disney wouldn't speak to us on the record, but they obviously didn't want us to publish the story. Right. Um, yeah. So um, well, they didn't want to publish the story because they're losing so much money about it. Like, yeah, but it's funny that it's like, okay, then why, then why are you doing this? Like, right. If it's well, so I bad. Had the same for Target, I mean, Target's going face first into what I like to call 2023's woke winter wonderland, where every <laughs> they just take all of our Christmas traditions and then they slap a trans flag on it, or they slap a gay pride flag on it, or they, you know 
change the man to a female or black to white. It's like it doesn't nothing is the way it should be because everything has to be changed. I know. Yeah. And I think I saw a story on Target's like sales not doing too well. And they just blamed it. It was from the Yahoo News or something. And it was like they blamed it on um, student loans. (laughs) (laughs) That's actually brilliant. Blame it on the Biden administration and then force them to like pass student loans. Did they get the student lobby to help them with that? That is so funny. What what do you think makes these companies feel so emboldened to, you know, kind of take these Christian holidays and turn them into these like woke progressive cult days? And it's it's like, did they not learn a lesson? I mean, like it, we really took it to them. We hurt their bottom line over the past several months. It's clear because Disney's talking about it to their stockholders. Target had to come to some sort of I mean, Target didn't exactly say they said that it was our boycott, but they said they blamed it on, you know, bigotry and all of those things. And they're all oh, we violence. Doing- they said they were violence yeah, against it, like store exactly. what makes them like insist on continuing to push these sexual and racial ideologies on these products. I mean, consumers are clearly not going for it anymore. I think some of the boycotts had staying power, like especially those companies that sort of have like a like a reputation for being more conservative, like Bud Light. Like you see your like conservative dad eating Bud Light or whatever, drinking Bud Light. Um, whereas Target, like it was like first on the bathroom policy and stuff like that. Like if you're shopping at Target, you're probably like a liberal woke white mom, you know? Or <laughs> like, um... like, I actually think that there's a, even an even worse demographic that shops at Target. There, I think that there are still a large number of women who would cons- who would laugh at a conservative meme who would share it with their friends who would joke about target being woke and still go and shop there like how do we reach those women and explain to them that you know by spending their money there by continuing to have credit cards there by continuing to aid the bottom line of these woke companies that they're hurting their children they're hurting their friends they're hurting their gender like how do we explain to these women that it's, you know, detriment to themselves to continue to shop there if they haven't figured it out already. Yeah, yeah. I think they're going to see, you know, the, the first mom of the friend group is going to have to deal with her kids saying that she's trans and that her teacher has been calling her by whatever name or pronoun and realizing that, like, this actually, this isn't just, like, something that Matt Walsh talks about, you know? This is, like, stuff that's actually hurting, like, people that you know um, and children that you know, putting them down dangerous paths, you know, putting parents in uncomfortable situations um and and not dealing with like what could be actual mental health problems that these kids are going through um unfortunately like for a lot of people when that happens it'll be too late so i'm definitely hoping that it'll happen earlier i for one you know and i know i'm in a bubble but i know a lot of moms who have not gone to target since june 2023 and some haven't gone to target since they did like the bathroom policy which was like years and years ago um so hopefully some of that will stick. I know like with Bud Light, because that's the other big one from Pride Month. They like, it's like synonymous with being gay now. It's like, oh, I saw him with the Bud Light, you know? Like, I do wonder how much of this Dana White, like social rehab, that UFC rehab that Bud Light is getting right now is going to work. I, I have noticed like on my social media that they, um, Bud Light in particular has been sending a lot of Dana White talking about why he went back into business with, Bud Light with UFC and why they were the smart partners and look at all this money they give to American farmers and look at all this money that they give to all these different things. And I think to myself, okay, who cares though? Because none of that money washes away the sin of having Dylan Mulvaney pretend to be a woman and you try and sell me beer through him. 
Like none of that matters because you committed the gravest sin, which was to side in the battle of the sexes, to side on on the group that is anti-human, that is anti-traditional family, that is anti-our way of life. I, I couldn't care less what else you do. You have to deal with American farmers because you you sell beer in America. You have to deal with American manufacturers because you sell beer in America. Those kinds of things are like... You don't get brownie points for doing things that you were already supposed to be doing. So <laughs> on top of that, you have to be protecting our way of life. You have to be stopping these attacks against our family. And I, I mean, I don't know. What do you think? Do you think it's going to be enough to be able to to satisfy the masses? I, I, I think it's working. I think a lot of men are being like, yeah, you know what? It might be okay. I, a lot of men in my circle are not that I can see in the yeah. broader sense, you know? I tend to think that like the... In like 10 years, I feel like the economy is just going to be a lot more like ideological. Like you're going to shop at a conservative company. You're going to shop at a liberal company because the liberal companies are like no longer going to be like, like I know, like I get my groceries at Myers, and it's like, I know that like whoever's in charge of Myers right now, probably Frank Myers grandson or whatever, <laughs> like probably doesn't vote like me. Right. But, exactly. Like I don't like at the end of the day, I just gotta get my groceries. But yeah. it's like, I think that there's actually been like a lot of like a public square and stuff like that. There's been like a lot of good, like movement towards sort of making like a parallel economy for conservatives. Because it's like, for instance, I can go online and go to like, like, you know, a lot of these like conservative, like beef ranchers and stuff like that. And I could pay like top dollar for like conservative groceries, <laughs> but yeah, I don't have that money. Well, the, no one does. That's the problem. They have us in this barrel where they've like constricted the economy in such a way that people don't have the buying power that they need in order to fight back against these woke corporations. And that's really why you have to push for a president to come in that is fiscally responsible but is like can grow our economy that can grow our middle class and bring us out of this doomsday because right now we have nothing to fight back with we just hope that it's like that i think that's the reason why i have such a hard time with celebrities and i know that you and i have this thing about taylor swift but <laughs> i do have an issue with taylor swift because she just promotes everything bad in our culture and she has no repercussions from it i mean she's a billionaire she's never going to hurt for anything in her life. She could pay for the best health care. She can pay for the best housing, best food, best products, all those things. Most people don't have that. They're stuck going to Walmart and getting the cheapest form of chicken, beef, pork that they can possibly find in order to make sure that their family gets the allotted protein. But along that comes the dirty line of beef producers and all that stuff that comes along with it. Like these people that push these products, it's like the T-Mobile commercial the other day. Um, I can't remember. It was the girl that's in all of the Ga Guardians of the Galaxy movies. I can't remember what her name is right now, but she's super famous, very beautiful. She's in this huge puffy white jacket, and she's essentially like, I'm a movie star. I could get all of these phones. Just sign up for T-Mobile. And it's like, don't you get it? Like, this is such a tone-deaf commercial. Like, everybody in our country is hurting right now. Like, get a hold of yourself. It's funny. Celebrities, like, like championing things that, like, they would never do themselves. Like, I loved your column about Taylor Swift, where you talked about her relationship with Travis Kelsey, because it's like, obviously, Travis Kelsey is like super woke because everyone who's famous in football pretty much is. But like, he's, you know, tall and handsome and strong and like, you know, looks like a, like an all American, toxically masculine man, you know? And she's like, this guy is totally head over heels. Yeah. And it's like, really? You're not going to date like, 
who's that guy timothy chalamet like really right <laughs> it's it's honestly so true it's like she she's been able to find her version of like toxic masculinity within her feminist scope and she's yeah. happy for it but that's not the reality for most women most women are not going to be going out and finding a strong masculine man inside their progressive woke circle and so to continue to push these types of um, ideologies onto other women is just setting them up for failure. The men they're looking for do not exist. <laughs> that you're looking mm -hmm. for a strong masculine man, they're conservative. I'm sorry. <laughs> like that that's yeah. just the reality of the most of these situations. It's it's yeah. insane. Um yeah, okay. like that one TikTok where that girl's like bemoaning that she can't find liberal men who she respects. <laughs> it, that's exactly what I think of every single time I think of this because it's like I, I talked about this on um, Newsmax the other day. Carl, he's asked me about it. And I said, um, yeah, well, she's sitting there and I'm thinking, okay, you're walking down San Francisco and you're scared half to death. Well, I'm sorry, you've emasculated every man that you've come in contact with. Like there are no more strong men in your circle because you made sure that the female froze. And it was just, it's like just such a funny um, reality or truth that, seems like such an easy concept to grab, but it's like funny that they have such a hard time understanding the correlation between the two. <laughs> you know, it's just insane. Okay, so our these companies, Target and Disney, and um, everywhere else are obviously targeting our children and causing like an explosion of mental illness among the youth, especially in America, but it's really all over. I mean, you can go to the UK, you can go to Germany, you can go to Sweden, anywhere, and you're going to be seeing this attack on our children. But what's even scarier is that you have Disney and Target, companies like that, selling this lifestyle to kids and through Christmas ornaments or onesies or dresses or t-shirts or products or the people selling the products, whatever it is, they're selling this kind of magical lifestyle to them. But in reality, you know, it's kind of like a nightmare and you would hope that this nightmare would stop, that there'd be nothing else that kind of goes along with it. But then you wake up and you realize it's never ending because doctors and teachers and all of our professionals in our institutions are just going straight along with it. It's no longer a funny conservative meme anymore. This is reality of what our kids are facing. So with that in mind, I want to talk about your reporting about um, from the National Council of Teachers of English. Okay, so the report stated that on November 16th through the 19th, they had a conference where essentially they were instructing other teachers on how to bring woke ideology into the classroom. Can you explain to me exactly what NCTE did and like what these teachers are they is it a requirement that they go to this conference can you tell me a little bit more about this because these are the people that are teaching our children that are molding and and even if this doesn't affect you like even if your children are homeschooled or go to a classical education if they play sports with these children or if they are in friend groups at all with these children they're going to be exposed to it so you need to be paying attention parents do need to be paying attention to this kind of stuff so please explain to me what exactly you found out about this yeah, totally. So this isn't a required uh, uh, okay. conference, at least. It's a member member based organization. So you're probably like, you can probably assume that people who are going to this organization already agree with like what was in these um, different panels and stuff. Because if you're going to be like a member of an organization like this, like 
you, you probably agree with the kinds of things they're doing. Some of the panels they had were like almost funny. It was like they were trying to be like, how do you do fellow kids? They were like, how to teach about like consciousness and Lil Nas X. <laughs> we're, like, <laughs> we're so cool. We know the kids. Like, yeah, look out. Look at us. We know the kids. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. But one of like the, I, the things that really stood out to me was just another instance of basically these woke organizations or woke individuals saying, you know, it's not happening and then it's good that it is like the Michael Anton essay. I don't know if you've read that one, but it's like, yeah, they, they just said, so like whenever Chris Rufo was doing his reporting on critical race theory, there was like tons of laws all across the nation against it. It was like, this isn't happening. This isn't happening. You guys are just like, you know, trying to like outlaw teaching about MLK Jr. and stuff. And then they literally have, you know, a panel that's like using critical race theory to deconstruct to like social history or whatever. It's always like, it's right in front of your face. And they're always going to try to like literally gaslight you. Just like, it's not happening. It's not happening. And then they're just going to like, all you have to do is like, this was all publicly available. You know, I just saw it based on some tweet. And then I just looked at the website. Like, it's usually like right in your face. But you just like do the slightest amount of digging. And they just say like exactly what they're doing. And it's usually the opposite of what they say. Isn't that insane? Okay, so how do parents combat this in the classroom? Like, what are some of the best ways or kind of like buzzwords for parents to be looking for like if their kids come home and they start talking about a social studies um assignment or a math assignment or something like what what in your reporting have you found kind of like solidifies the theme the most like how do parents notify or recognize this well i think like if you're if your kids in in public school yeah if, if they're coming home and they're talking about things like consciousness and privilege or stuff like that or if they're being very like you know like the the 13 year old kid that just like discovered that like slavery existed <laughs> and she's like and she's like telling her dad that he like has privilege because he like his ancestors were never slaves or whatever like that kind of stuff sort of like this very like um this like cocky like know-it-all like these older generations don't know how like oppressive it is in the real world you know you should really listen to me <laughs> a middle schooler um that that sort of talk but like anything that like sort of segment society so it's like you know oppressor and oppressed and you're either one or the other and it's usually racialized and if you're white it doesn't matter if you're like a super super poor white if you're the kind of white person that like Oliver Anthony would sing about you are an oppressor of like Cardi B you know right whether you like it or not right. um that sort of talk is obviously like that's a huge red flag but I would say like and I realize this isn't like you know reasonable for everyone like financial aid and whatnot but like take your kids out of the public schools like seriously yeah. now do it um it's my number one advice are... to all parents yeah. anytime a parent has asked me where do i send my kids and i say do not ever start them in the public school system find a way find a way to homeschool them if you cannot afford private school or find a way to and and honestly private schools are just as bad sometimes so really what they need to be finding is either a classical private school or a homeschool situation because outside of that we've tried almost everything and those two, two yeah. are the safest options, I think. Yeah. And like, I would also say, like, don't don't think that like uh, you could put your kid in like public school for like, oh, I don't know, like K to sixth grade because like nothing's happening by then. You know, they're not teaching. Like, no, that's not the case. Like, this, yeah. this is kindergarten, preschool. This is daycare. Like some of the craziest reporting I've seen the Daily Caller touch on has to do with kindergarten and first grade. Like having them read sexualized books or having them read gender books, like the, the, it doesn't start after the sixth grade. Like it starts well before that. And I think a lot of people forget that sixth grade is actually old. It's like 10, 11 years old, sometimes 12. 
like these kids are starting to go through puberty and your natural you know kind of like sexualized brain starts to turn on and kick in around that time because your puberty kicks kicks in so these conversations are being had and parents can decide whether or not they want to believe it but they're definitely being had um another thing i wanted to talk to you about is the like our physician situation i know that covid woke a lot of parents up to the tyrannical way in which our pediatrician system and just our overall health system kind of trapped us into this false sense of security that we could trust our doctors, that we could trust going to a hospital and all these things, and they would take patient care first. COVID obviously showed us that patient care was the least of everybody's worry when it came to um, you know, everything that our populace needed. And now when you take your kids to the doctor, you have to fear so much more. You know, you used to be able to take them, take your child to the pediatrician and say, they're experiencing, you know, a bout of confusion or depression or whatever. What do we do about that? And doctors would work on a plan in order to uplift that child out of that. It wasn't going to be necessarily the roller coaster of never ending medical supplies. But now yeah. you can't even take your child to the doctor to get medical help, professional help, because for fear of them being transitioned by the doctor. You wrote an incredible piece about Dr. Adam Ness out of Louisville, Kentucky, who admitted to transitioning a boy, a seven-year-old boy. Can you tell me a little bit about that? That was in the Baptist health system, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. So yeah, so yeah, Adam Ness, um, who again is one of those people where if you look at his like social media and stuff, it's just like, it's not super like confusing. I would say if you're looking for a pediatrician, stalk them on social media <laughs> and yeah he, he gave uh this talk where you know it's obvious that he didn't expect such a large audience um but it was sort of picked up by first by post millennial and then then we also reported on it in a couple other outlets um and yeah he just like straight up admits that he says socially transitioning but socially transitioning is like basically basically grooming <laughs> basically it's right just, it's just starting this kid at a very young age at a very like malleable age on the pathway where like of no return basically especially it's like normal children their ability to understand authority at that age is so skewed because they're dependent on authority in such a um strong way that to have someone as you know authoritative as a doctor come to them and say hey we're going to allow you to start living your life as a little girl and we're just going to see if you like this or not and so then every time he puts on his dress he comes out and his mother goes, oh, look how beautiful you are in that dress. Or his father, like, oh, look how beautiful you are in that dress. And it's all social mm -hmm. conditioning. He wasn't. Oh, yeah. There was something wrong before. OK, so keep going. Yeah, no, exactly what you said. Like, think about how much like as a, I mean, still as adults, we're like this. But as young children, how much we crave the like appreciation of our parents and, and, and the adults in our life in general, but definitely our parents. And think about like, you know, if you wear a dress. Your, your mom's like taking pictures of you and posting you and like you're so awesome and you're so brave so it's like you I mean of course you're gonna you're gonna do that the other thing that Dr. Neff did which is not unique to him a lot of doctors are saying this and a lot of these medical organizations are saying this is that puberty blockers are reversible that's just like false that's another you talked about like red flags you can see in schools that's a red flag for like right. doctors just to say that puberty blockers are, are reversible yeah the first red flag is that they want to talk to your child by themselves at no and no point in time should a child 18 or under 
these in a room with a doctor by themselves without the parent there to advocate and help them. That is literally our one job is to protect them and advocate for them. The idea that you would elect them. It's just insane. Um, these doctors think that they have so much authority over our children's lives. I just saw this crazy story out of the UK where these parents were fighting the national health care system in order to prevent their daughter from transitioning and um, the essentially it's the Supreme Court there, they call it the high court, rolled against the parents. It, I, I couldn't believe it. It's like, I guess we should have known because they have the authority to end children's lives, like with even if like other countries like baby Indy who could have gone to Italy yeah. and gotten care. Yep. You should have been known. But is that what's eventually going to happen here in America? Like, do you think that we have enough political capital or societal momentum to be able to prevent that from happening here or are we just struggling trucking along that path and you know kind of never ending i think what we really need to pinpoint and like fight tooth and nail is this um expansion of the definition of the word child abuse and this is something i've done a little bit of reporting on um because once you call uh you know not letting your kids <laughs> get hormonal treatments and get these irreversible surgeries and the irreversible puberty blockers, child abuse. Well, then we have, a, we have like a litany of laws against child abuse as we should. Right. Um, which that comes from, you know, these, these whatever authorities and whatnot can say, can, can cite child abuse because they say that these, um, treatments so-called are life-saving. And once you say they're life-saving, then what is a parent who is denied their child life-saving treatment but a child abuser <laughs> so you right. have to then go zero even further and you have to say these are not life-saving treatments you know if you look at the percentages i don't have them top of my head but the percentages of children who will desist if they're not um intervened with puberty blockers or any of these things that people call you know uh reversible they will desist at extremely high rate whereas once right. you start them on even the social transition they're not they're on a pathway of basically being lifelong patients they will likely never have children they will if they maybe have a child they will be able to breastfeed that child they will have pain during sexual intercourse they will have um all sorts of just just all the attendant problems of having just the trauma of all the surgeries you have to go through to do this transition even as an adult much less as a child exactly um, just listen to the story of like chloe cole or any of these, these transitioners i think that prisha that prisha or prisha her story is one of the most moving stories i've ever heard like i i'm so captivated every time she tells a new like part of her life that you know she's kind of like unpacking or whatever and kind of coming to the terms of trauma behind it it is textbook what we see every day a troubled little girl who needed help she went to her parents were who were ill-equipped they took her to a doctor who said fed her lies and sold her i mean she talks about this the other day it was so heartbreaking about how um there were these four pictures and I talked about it in my last podcast a little bit. And it was, um, you know, you can see the visible scars on these on these kids' bodies where they're cutters. And you can tell that they they use, you know, body mutilation as a way to express their depression and their anger and their anxiety about whatever's going on in their life. And these doctors see that. And as a medical professional, you are trained to recognize these signs. It is impossible not to see it and she talks about her doctor talent like ignoring it and just content and you know just a year later she's sitting in this um rehab facility and she's this is something that she told over the weekend and she's sitting next to this other girl 
who is um, healthy other than the fact that she has these really gigantic breasts. And she was talking about how much pain they brought her. She couldn't even stand up straight anymore. When she laid down flat on her back, it like crushed her chest. And she was only like 15, 16 years old, I want to say. But no one would allow her to get a breast reduction surgery because they said it was, you know, an irreversible thing. And she was too young to be able to make this decision. And then she talks about 15 months later, she had a double mastectomy. Like the girl that actually needed help was sitting in the bed next to her. And yet her with her mental illness and her cutting scars and and her clear, and she's telling her doctor, I have depression. I have these episodes. I have got this stuff going on. And yet she's the one that receives the care. And it's not care. It's mutilation for her. For this oh, yeah. girl, it's care. And for this girl, it's mutilation. Those two two things, I, I it's heartbreaking to know that our girls are being um, captured by this and then being sold that because it's just generations of parents that are unable to rise to the dangers of our society. And I don't know if it's unable or unwilling, but it's a scary large number of um, people in our society that feel like they can't fight it, feel like they don't know what to do against this. And I mean, I get it, but your reporting, reporting that you bring to the table is so important because it highlights the craziness behind it. And although people say, oh, it's just for clicks and it has all these things, it really does give parents um, the authority to be able to take back, you know, what was taken from them. So Sarah, I really appreciate you coming on. I really appreciate everything that you do here at The Caller and, um, you know, everything for us parents because we couldn't do it with our reporters like y'all finding all these crazy stories. So thank you very much. All righty, we're back with It's All Trans to Me. Excuse me, it's ma'am. It is ma'am. So this week we're going to be talking about a woman who's been on testosterone for a while now. And so she's really starting to grow that facial hair. She's looking a little bit more masculine um, than she did before. And people are really confused by that. But the, the, the main part of the confusion is not even in, in whether or not she's a biological man or a biological woman. It is in what she's deciding to do. Okay, this woman has decided that she's going to read the Quran and then maybe possibly convert. She says, I just started reading the Quran and I'm so excited about it. Did you know that Allah is beyond gender? No, I can guarantee you the people in Gaza, go up to them and ask them if Allah is beyond gender. Ask them if Allah is, you know, transgender. Ask them if, you know, he has pronouns. Ask them any of those questions. And I, I can almost guarantee you, you're not making it out of that situation alive. No, Muslims don't believe in transgender theory. They don't believe in woke causes. They don't believe in your progressive lifestyle. And in fact, they are not tolerant like Christians are. I know everyone likes to talk about how bigoted and disgusting Christians are, but there is not a single Muslim that lives over in the West Bank that's going to give you a pass for being a transgender because they think that somehow that, you know, helps their cause more. No. If anything, they're going to sit there and they're going to use you brutally as an example so that their children never become like you. It, it, that's the insane part. But she says, I just wanted to say, you know, I'm just so excited and I just can't wait to follow the Quran. I cannot wait till it gets to the point where, you know, it starts talking about murdering infidels. Enjoy that part because you are an infidel. Next on It's All Trans to Me, there's this guy who is a porn star and I don't know exactly where he lives, but his accent sounds very German. So I would assume in, you know, one of those countries over there. 
he has tattooed all over his face, on his teeth, on his eyeballs, on his skin. He claims that his genitals are tattooed. I mean, he's just an odd duck looking kind of guy. But then the crazy thing about this whole scenario is his kids know that he pushes porn through his kind of like alter ego lifestyle or whatever. Watch. Even my daughter get asked in the in the school if her, they ask her like, eh, did your dad have his penis tattooed? She was telling me that very embarrassed, but I say, you can say this proud. Yes, he have his penis tattooed. <laughs> so his daughter gets asked questions at school. Is your dad's penis tattooed? Like he's messing up his daughter's mind in this way because of his like his own need to fulfill his like sexual desires and his sexual fantasy this is insane his kids are going to be emotionally damaged and abused because of what they are doing like when are parents going to realize the stuff they do matters how they how they act and behave and reputation that they have matters their kids are watching this I feel bad. It's just insane. The last thing we're going to be talking about today is what happened at Disney over the weekend. There is this this video going viral of this man jumping off the small world ride and kind of like prancing around and doing the most odd behavior before eventually being carried out by a group of police. If you haven't figured out enough yet that the product that Disney selling is selling your family and your children is leading, you know, to a lifetime of misery, then just go to one of its parks because now instead of getting, you know, the magic of Disney and the princesses and all that stuff, you're going to get transgender janitors and you're going to get crazy people jumping off the rides and going into the pool. Like this is the type of behavior and people that they're attracting at the park now. It's no longer a family place. So Ireland is seeing unrest right now in a crazy way. Normally when we see looting and rioting and, you know, fires and fire a police officer or, or police cars on fire and, you know, kind of just mayhem and destruction, it's coming from the far left progressive crowd, that BLM crowd, the social justice warrior crowd, all of those people that would rather burn their country down than have positive conversations. And um, as a conservative, when you look at this, it, it feels chaotic and it feels out of bounds. But when you find out the reason and why these people are out in the street, when is the Irish government going to wake up? And then you look at your own country and you realize we're teetering on the edge of these same things happening in our country. They, Ireland is one of the you know many European countries that has taken in countless Muslim refugees over the past several decades. And they're, you know, really struggling from it. I, there used to be loads and loads of instances reported by the media over there of, you know, gang rapes and grooming gangs and all of these kinds of things that are happening. Well, this past weekend, there was a stabbing at a school where two or three children got stabbed and an adult got stabbed or, yeah, something like that. And children were injured and adults were injured. It was about three people, you know, in the whole ordeal before the man was taken down. And people were rightly outraged by it and scared. And, you know, whenever you go and you attack our children, there's got to be some sort of consequence for it, right? But nothing. The media class, the government class, they just started demonizing the populace, the people that live there, that live in those communities that are being terrorized by these types of behaviors. And they start, you know, kind of smearing all of these people as bigots and racists because... 
oh man, they don't want immigration and they don't want people that don't, you know, subscribe to their culture and live the way they do living in their neighborhoods. And this isn't out of bounds thought process. America is the only country that we've been able to get this to work in. And every single year, it feels like we're having to kind of re rebalance ourselves because it is so easy to, to be putting that balance of our society out of whack. And that's what we see in places like Ireland and Sweden and Germany and the UK, where you really see the effects of illegal immigration, especially when the immigrants coming in have no cultural ties to what your country holds true. And um, one of the people standing up in Ireland, Conor McGregor, he was a UFC fighter. He also, also did some boxing, obviously very, very famous, obviously has you know a big platform and the ability to speak. But instead of kind of joining the forces of the woke left narrative, he is speaking out against it. He tweeted and um, there was this video of um, this Irish journalist who was going around and saying that, you know, it was a far right, was getting super mad. And those are the only people mad and all that stuff. When it's like normal people would be upset if an illegal immigrant went to an elementary school and started stabbing people like this is not something that's out of the bounds. So Conor McGregor tweets out and says, isn't that something? The absolute picture of weak and feeble. The most divisive of all is the weak man. One of the most horrific crimes this nation ever seen has occurred. We do not care anymore what you sad cases have got to say. In a war, you are nothing. We are not backing down. We are only warming up. There will be no backing down until real change is implemented for the safety of our nation. We're not losing any more of our women and children to sick and twisted people who should not even be in Ireland in the first place. Call it what you want. We do not care. May God help us, Ireland for victory. This same exact sentiment is held by millions of Americans. These people do not think like Americans. They do not act in Western culture beliefs or systems or, you know, ideologies. They have their own set of beliefs and we're throwing them into a culture they hate. We're throwing them into a culture where they're never going to thrive because we do not eat, think, sleep, live the way they do. The scary the scary part of our society is the fact that someone like Conor McGregor can stand up there and you can say the reality of what everybody's thinking, but now the, UK, the Ireland government wants to come after him. Apparently, he's under some sort of investigation that was reported yesterday. And then on top of that, the Ireland's Green Party Senator O'Reilly, she said that we are restricting freedom for the common good. So essentially, the Ireland parliamentary system that they have over there has just put in a law, or they haven't voted on it yet, but they want to, that would make it illegal, essentially, for you to have even just memes on your phone. So if you think a conservative meme is funny and you save it on your phone, even if you don't send it to anyone, even if you just keep it for yourself, it's like having like, you know, in America, having pot or something on you and you, a cop can either decide to charge you with, you know, intent to distribute or not. But every single time they open your phone and they see a funny meme on there, they're going to charge you with an intent to distribute. But in this case, it's an intent to hurt someone's feelings. And that's what they're arguing here. It's like you can't even call out the reality of your situation. There are children dying. Women are being raped. Businesses are going under. You cannot hold these people in your society that do not want to be there. And this is what's happening. And it's really sad. I see that America is down this same path. And the only way to stop it is if we have enough people like Conor McGregor, enough men to stand up and say no more. I don't care what you call me. I don't care what you do to me. Illegal immigration has to stop. We have to stop 
funding the people that are going to continue to bring these people over here. We have to put a pause to it and we've got to heal our nation. Gen X parents were on display this weekend when this couple decided to put this video up on social media of them mocking their son moving out of the house and moving to a different state. He, they're both covering each other up and the dad puts the board, board away and he's wearing this shirt that's like a ramen noodle shirt and his wife is wearing a Hawaiian punch shirt and they're literally laughing as hard as they can at the fact that their son is going to be poor and have, you know, no money left over. They're, he's going to have rent and he's going to have a car payment. He's going to have all these things. Watch. <laughs> so what this means is, is that you're going 23 minutes further from work. Yep. Your rents went up $350 more. You're getting a car payment. You're getting full coverage insurance, and you ain't gonna have shit to eat except Kool-Aid and ramen noodles. This is the state of parenthood now. These parents, instead of, like, what happened to family legacy? What happened to building your children a life in which they can live honorably and happy forever? Why do you want them poor? Why do you want your kids to have less than everybody else around you? Not knowing anything about the situation. So all obviously I am just assuming that these are two normal parents with a normal son and he's going to college or he's graduated and he's kind of starting off on his own for the first time. I have never once in my life encountered such anger and, you know, resentment than boomer and Gen X parents when their kids leave the house. It's like, what did you think was going to happen? Did you think they were never going to grow up? Did you not prepare to send them off with a life, a dowry of some sort, some sort of like, you know, jump start to this crazy world? No, they didn't. They didn't even think about that as a possibility. Instead, they created some stupid skit to make fun of their kids. I am tired of boomer and Gen X parents forgetting about the fact that their kids never stop being their children. And that is not to say to enable them or create this kind of failure to launch culture where kids never go out and experience or do great things. But if you have a great child and they have great potential, it is incumbent of you as a parent to take care of them and make sure that they foster because it is the world that they live in that you're growing them in. Like they are supposed to produce things for it and you need to help them and aid them in doing that. Like at the end of the day, either family legacies mean something in our society or they don't. These Gen X and Boomer parents believed this lie that your wealth and, you know, your family legacies are not a good thing to have. That daddy's money, daddy's credit card. Yeah, I hope my children say that. I hope someone stupidly comes up to one of my children and says, oh, you only have this because your dad's car or your dad's money or your dad's job or whatever. I really hope that some of my kids have to have that problem because that means that my husband and I are doing it right. Those kids are jealous and upset and sad their parents aren't doing that for them. That'll be the message I tell that to my kids while I teach them hard work, determination, and to never quit no matter what. This is how parents should be viewing parenthood instead of this disgusting behavior. All right. I hope y'all enjoyed today's episode. All the show's notes can be found below. I'd love to hear from y'all. So please leave a comment while you're there. Make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you find us and check out my daily column at thedailycaller.com. Don't forget to join us next week for another exciting episode of Tradish with Mary Rook. You can find me on Twitter at Mary Rook underscore. That's at M-A-R-Y-R-O-O-K-E underscore. See y'all next week.